Hello and welcome to Fill Me Up. I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your discussions about film. But first things first, Snyder Cut is real. The Snyder Cut is coming out on HBO Max in 2021. For those that aren't aware, this is the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Um because Zack Snyder, who did Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, he was directing Justice League, but then he had to step down because his uh, daughter committed suicide tragically. Um, there were rumours after the fact that he was maybe being fired anyway uh, because kind of Batman v Superman was bad. I don't know. I still don't know to this day whether I like it or not, but uh, it definitely underperformed. It probably should have made a billion dollars. It's the two biggest superheroes ever. Uh, and it didn't. Uh, so they brought Josh Whedon in, who reshot a lot of the film because they wanted because Justice League was supposed to be like this brighter film because the and more humorous because Snyder's films like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman they were quite dour, they were kind of dark, serious, brooding, and so the studio uh, wanted some more levity because they'd seen the Marvel stuff work that way, and. They actually demanded that the runtime be under two hours, which I think is crazy for a Justice League film. Because, I mean, Endgame was three hours long. I know it was like 20 films in, but it was an Avengers film is a longer film. Uh, I think that's the wrong way around to do it. But uh, they wanted it under two hours because BVS was like two and a half hours and blah, blah, blah. But then Justice League came out, didn't do great. Should have also cracked a billion easy, but it didn't. Uh, people didn't necessarily like it that much um, either. It was described as a Frankenstein of Snyder's film and Whedon's input, which I think is kind of true. Um, originally, it was supposed to be a part one and two, but reshoots and rewrites dumbed that down, and they were like, no, we're not doing that, and obviously underperformed, so that's not happening. Then there were, after uh, the kind of bad performance of the theatrical version, rumours spread of a Snyder cut existing, which was a cut using just Zack Snyder's footage and keeping him with the same tone as his other films. Um, and then there have been calls for it to be released for years. Actors got involved. So Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman, was saying it's he'd seen it and it was good. Henry Cavill wanted it, obviously Superman. Ben Affleck doesn't care at all. He just wants out of it. Um, but it was announced this week uh, that Warner Brothers and HBO streaming service, HBO Max, uh, is going to have the Snyder Cut on it. Uh, it wasn't officially finished, um, but they are giving it, Zack Snyder, 20 to $30 million to finish it, get kind of do a bit of reshoots. So there's going to be no controversy with Henry Cavill's mustache, which will be a big bonus, um, and kind of post-production sort of like visual effects will be done and blah, blah, blah. Um, Apparently, Zack Snyder said that only a quarter of his film was actually in the theatrical cut, so it's quite interesting to see what uh, will happen in it. It was definitely one of those, like, will they, won't they release it? I mean, we didn't even know if it was real. There was rumours that it was real and people saying it was real, but, like, it may not have been real, but it is, and it's coming out. Uh, So it's exciting times. I think it'll be interesting just to see a more accurate continuation of that world. It's maybe the definitive version of that film. Um, I mean, because it was Snyder's baby after all. So, I mean, like, I'm up for for seeing that. Uh, I think that will be good, fun, 
or maybe not good fun because it'll be quite saddened out but who knows let's see let's move on to the first section alpha set uh for those that aren't aware this is uh where i take three films each week that begin with the same letter of the alphabet uh they're all films that i haven't seen uh and i just uh, just have a little talk about them come into them fresh and uh just do a little little review they're not spoilers there's no spoilers in these films uh or in these reviews there are spoilers in the films but none in the reviews um so if you have watched them then great but if you haven't that's also fine uh and i will you can take it or leave it uh but we're on to set c this week so they're all beginning with the letter c uh the first film i watched was castaway uh so that's basically tom hanks is a fedex man whose plane crashes that's the official term fedex man whose plane crashes stranding him on an island alone um it came out in 2000 the year 2000 2k it had a budget of 90 million it made 430 million so it made some money it made a lot of money um and it went down well too uh it's got a 7.8 on imdb so that's kind of audience uh 88% on Rotten Tomatoes so that's critics critics likes it more than audiences I myself absolutely loved it I give it a 9 out of 10 I thought it was just incredible um it's very 90s it's got that feel to it it's very um it's directed by Robert Zemeckis who did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump and it's reteaming Robert Zemeckis with Tom Hanks uh with with the Forrest Gump and I feel like it's got that same sort of vibe with it um it's very very good at, uh kind of nailing the emotion it's also really good with the action the plane crash is scary um they like between robert zemeckis and tom hanks they make you feel some emotion for a volleyball which i think is amazing work uh tom hanks is absolutely terrific he was actually nominated for an oscar uh, when this came out he lost to Russell Crowe for Gladiator. I, uh, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. Maybe it should have been Tom Hanks, but who knows. Um, there is a time jump in this film because uh, he spends a long, long time on the island. Um, and the physical transformation for Tom Hanks is excellent. Uh, he, he was very believable as someone who's been there for a long time. He's wiry, but he's strong. Uh, he plays the emotion incredibly well. He's a terrific actor, and so you'd expect nothing less. But you really feel what he's been going through, and like I say, he makes you feel for a volleyball, which is spectacular. Uh, cinematography is excellent. Uh, there's some really creative transitions. There's one where they go from fire to water, and it's very, it's very good. There's some long panning shots. There's lots of long one takes, which kind of really sells the enormity of the situation and the kind of the despair and like what's happening. It's and kind of immerses you in in the film a bit more. Um, and I just think it's it's great. Uh, Tom Hanks' character is very likable. He's very intelligent too. Um, he utilizes lots of tools and items from kind of washed up FedEx delivery boxes because they're clearly not going to get there. Um, and you kind of you f- feel him 
during the film trying to hold it together and trying not to kind of like break down all the time and just lose it uh, and kind of bottle it up and you see that it, like what happens when you do bottle it up you have those moments of despair or anger where you, you, it just kind of comes to the service and it, they, those moments are really hard hitting because there's a lot of kind of him bottling it up um, there's a beautiful moment uh, later on in the film with a whale um, that I think is really well done um, there's, like CGI back in the, the day uh, of 2000 wasn't terrific um, but they utilise the lighting well it's done in dim lighting and it, pretty, it, it looks pretty good looks pretty good um, all the stuff before the crash is well done like you really uh, fl- it really fleshes out the character uh, of Tom Hanks of Chuck I think he's called Chuck uh, and it really makes you feel for him like like I say it makes you feel for him and make him a likeable character and someone that you want to root for um, and at the end there's some really heart wrenching stuff like there's not it's not too over like dramatic or over the top it's not too melodramatic it's very kind of real um, which I think is great there is a little bit of flip flopping at the end of the character you may know what I mean if you've seen it but it's nothing major there's no other issues for me personally I thought it was terrific um, I was a bit surprised when the time jump occurred because but uh, in fairness the film is 2 hours and 23 minutes and so you need to have a time jump at some point. But I mean, I was just, this is a testament to how good the film is and how well they were doing it. Is I was just hooked uh, and kind of invested in uh, Tom Hanks' journey of survival on the island and kind of like just day by day. So like I could have seen like a thing for years and they're just on little time jumps. But I mean, like absolutely do the big time jump and it works. It works uh, well. Um, some of the other side characters uh, kind of help to build the world out really well uh, in terms of kind of having Tom Hanks' relationships with them and there's some kind of callbacks and there's some heartbreaking moments and kind of you get little bits and like snapshots into people's lives and you kind of, they share in moments that like real people would do. Like they're not just like surface level characters there's like actual like some deep moments and deep kind of character interactions which i think is really good um but yeah there's some in- interesting facts about the this film uh, some fun facts i mean they may not be that fun but some facts um the production halted for a year uh while they were filming so that tom hanks could act while they're doing the like in between the time jump so that tom hanks could lose 50 pounds and grow his hair out because after the time jump it, he has like the biggest beard you've ever seen he's got long hair like i say he's kind of wiry um as opposed to it, like he wasn't like particularly like fat or anything but he was like got a, a few extra pounds on him so um which it, apparently he had kind of made like let himself go a little bit to put so that the difference was noticeable um but while the production was halted uh the director robert zemeckis actually shot what lies beneath which is another film that he did that came out in the exact same year and he shot it with the same crew. So in that time frame uh, where Tom Hanks is losing his weight and gaining his hair, uh, the director shot another film, which I think is uh, pretty good going. Well, you're definitely utilising that time and organisation. And you know, the fact that you can use the same crew is, is pretty good stuff too. Uh, the volleyball in the film that I was talking about is called Wilson. You may uh, know the iconic line where tom hanks is screaming wilson uh that happens a lot and it's it's emotional stuff it's good stuff um 
in the script, Wilson the volleyball actually had lines. Uh, so it helped Tom Hanks to kind of have a a real interaction sort of thing because he does talk to the volleyball uh, and have conversations with it. But obviously, you only hear like one side of it. But in the script, there was actually two sides to it, which I think is an interesting fact to try and help Tom Hanks have those more real interactions. Um, most of the nighttime teams uh, on the island were shot during the day, and then the like dark nighttime effect was added in post, which I think you don't notice at all, which I think is the best sort of thing in... Those are the best effects in films when you don't even notice them. Um, speaking of another one effect that you wouldn't have noticed, uh, a lot of the island uh, shot scenes were actually shot on the mainland near a highway, apparently, and that was also removed in post, which, again, you don't notice it, so it's uh, a good good use of effects. Um, now, I... I was watching this film and I thought this is a great ad for FedEx it's just a huge huge ad for FedEx but FedEx didn't pay anything for it they didn't pay for their part in the film um they the script apparently already had FedEx in it and they were approached to be like is this okay and they were like yeah that's fine go ahead and they actually reap benefits from it apparently the uh applications to work at FedEx went up by 30% after the film came out which worked out for them uh I mean, if the film had tanked massively and would have been a bad film, it wouldn't have done well for them, but um, they could have distanced themselves from it. But So it's worked out for them, and I think it worked out for everybody because it's a brilliant film. It's definitely worth a watch. If you haven't seen it, like I hadn't, go out there, see it. I Speaking of Forrest Gump, I only watched Forrest Gump the other week as well, uh, and that's also a good film. You should go watch that too. Um, but moving on... Film number two, Child 44. Uh, So this film, basically Tom Hardy is a Russian military officer who discovers a serial killer who's killing children in Russia during the time of Stalin, uh, where they use this line a lot, uh, in quotation marks, where there is no murder in paradise. Um, Came out in 2015, the budget is 50 million dollars but it only made 13 million dollars uh so it bombed quite a lot it lost a lot of money because uh, uh if you haven't uh really been been listening to previous weeks they uh if you've not been around for previous weeks um then you will you maybe not know that uh the budget uh you need to double that uh because you've got marketing budget which Rule of thumb, it's it's the same as the production budget. Uh, so to break even, you need to make twice your quoted budget. So they would have had to make a hundred million dollars to break even, uh, but they made thirteen, so they lost quite a lot of money. Um, though it is kind of a strange film to market. I don't know how necessarily. We'll get into it in a bit, but um, it's it's kind of I don't know how you you would necessarily go about it. Um, the audience kind of liked it. It's got a 6.5 on IMDb. Critics did not like it. They gave it a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, myself, I quite liked it. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's a good film. It's not a happy film, but it's. I thought it was, it was pretty good. Um, so the critics, um, Rotten Tomatoes, the way that they do it is they basically, it's either a... If you're a critic on Rotten Tomatoes, you basically give it a yes or a no, like it's good or bad. And then they just average that out. So 27% of critics get said it was good. 
and the rest said it was bad is kind of how it works um which is not maybe not the best uh way of doing it but that's how they do it um the issues that i looked through some of the reviews uh, to see what they had issues with and they talked about kind of the pacing and kind of what it was trying to be um it's sort of a kind of whodunit detective thriller but it's in 1950s russia and with that comes kind of lots of political problems which i think is great um kind of the political issues are kind of the fact that they kind of just want to sweep everything under the rug they don't want to dwell on it because there is no murder in paradise and so if you even suggest murder, then you're getting shot, um, which is kind of just how those things went down at the time. Um, I, f- I feel that it kind of adds to to it and like having it, because it is sort of like a, it would work as a normal kind of detective film. But I think the fact that they set it in this time period, um, I think ad- it kind of adds to it and ad- makes a unique dynamic on something like this. Um and kind of it makes the makes it have lots of character work involved in terms of kind of like interactions and kind of uh, character development. Um, critics kind of were like it's not it, it's it's kind of not one or the other. It's neither a political thriller kind of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I haven't seen that yet, but uh, or a detective thriller kind of a girl with a dragon tattoo. It was neither one or the other. Um, it's kind of somewhere in the middle and doesn't do either justice, but. I mean, I understand why they, where they're coming from, but I didn't have any problem. I mean, I talked uh, last week about Bone Tomahawk saying it's neither a horror or a western, but um, I feel feel that this sort of worked for me. I thought it got the balance quite well. The detective stuff is sort of almost the background for the political stuff. I thought it was almost like part of the setting, which I think worked out quite well. It was less plot-driven, so I think uh, some issues that people had with the fact that they're detective stuff wasn't that interesting like they didn't delve into it enough or it wasn't kind of fast-paced enough or yeah just interesting but i thought that that was fine because that's almost like background uh to the other stuff um tom hardy is great as always he really brings that sort of emotion and intensity that he's known for uh naomi rapace is also in it and she's also great she has some weird she's got like blonde hair in this she's normally like black or brown hair um and she's got blonde hair in this, but they also like dye her eyebrows, which makes which looks weird. Like they did it with Chris Hemsworth and Thor. Looks weird. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, if you're out there and you're dyeing your eyebrows, don't do it. Uh, Gary Oldman's in it. He's advertised as being kind of a big part. He's on the posters, but he's 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 less of a big part, a more a bit part because he's just. I mean, he's good at it, but he's he's like I don't know whether he's underused or something like. You don't. I don't feel like you needed to have an actor of that caliber in that role, because uh, it's kind of a smaller role. They have Vincent Cassell is in this as well, and I feel like he's in it more. And maybe you should have swapped those characters around, but whatever. Um, I feel like that the film itself does kind of a good job at showing the oppression uh, and kind of like speak up or break the rules, and you're getting shot even for just mentioning murder. And that kind of plays all the way up until the credits. Like, even kind of... There is some sort of pushback and stuff from kind of Tom Hardy and, and people, but even, like, within their, like, push pushing back and stuff, there's still sort of, like, this oppressive uh, sort of, like, top-down... Like, you must do what you're told, sort of, like, this is the narrative sort of thing. Um, like, they do have 
questions about the motives of the killer and stuff but like you don't need like you're being like you're being told by higher ups that you don't need to know and, and kind of in the narrative of things it's like this is the way this is why don't don't look into it anymore uh which i think uh is fine i mean you don't, i don't feel that you need to delve into it too much i think that sort of works in the film uh there is it is like a bit of a harrowing film but there is a like some heartwarming stuff in it like some heartwarming stuff at the end like call back to earlier on with some farmers children if you've seen it you'll know what i mean um but uh yeah some fun facts about this one uh it's based on a book uh, which itself is based on a true life serial killer in Russia, but he was in the seventies and eighties. Um, but uh, yeah, the book was actually the first in a trilogy. So if it had done well, then there could have been more films. I mean, it's not going to happen now, but I would have been interested to see more films. Um, it ha- it would have had uh, Tom Hardy and Norman Rapace again, but uh, maybe different other people. But I think it would have been interesting. I thought they were kind of a bit different. Um, obviously this film banned in Russia because they don't look good in it. They don't show them in a good light. So understandably they, uh, they banned it. Uh, there was a scene, uh, in this film where, uh, a Russian flag was, so this is in 1945 during the war and they're in right, Reichstag in Berlin. I was going to say in Berlin, but I don't know whether it is in Berlin. I can't remember. It's in Germany somewhere. Uh, and they, they plant a Russian flag on a roof. And they actually did that in real life. Um, and there is some photos and stuff. There is a soldier helping. So in the film, there's a soldier helping him, helping Tom Hardy plant the flag. And he has a load of stolen watches on in the photo. And there's actually, in the real life, that actually happened as well. But the captain who was taking the photo didn't notice that. Uh, he noticed it in the film, but in the real life, he didn't notice it. And so newspapers started publishing the photo and Stalin went absolutely batshit. He went mad because uh, it, it looked bad on Russia that they were like stealing stuff. Um, so they basically staged that scene again and photographed it again in real life, which I think is quite an interesting thing. Uh, but yeah, like I say, this film was good. Uh, but I mean, it's not necessarily for everyone, I guess, but I thought it was good. I thought it was definitely worth watching. Uh, third and final film this week was Constantine uh, so Keanu Reeves plays John Constantine uh, who's a rough and ready exorcist and seer of the supernatural uh, and he helps a detective discover more about her sister's death it came out in the year 2005 uh, it had a 100 million dollar budget and it made 230 million so it made a little bit of money just a Still a little bit of money. Uh, it's got a 7 on IMDb, uh, but it's a 46 on Rotten Tomatoes. I myself gave it a 7 out of 10. It's very watchable. That's the that's my takeaway from this. It's very watchable. It's based on a DC comic book. Um, since this film, there has been a TV show uh, on, on our screens, uh, and con- the character of John Constantine is now in the Arrowverse. But this film in particular... It's made in 2005, and it feels like it was made in 2005. It's very 2000s. There's rock music throughout the film. It's got some quite stylish cinematography, but uh, there's a lot of kind of greys and browns uh, in terms of the landscapes and the shots and things. But 
it's it's still good. Uh, Keanu Reeves plays the no nonsense Constantine well. He's constantly smoking, and he's got the, this this shevelled look. He's not exactly comics accurate, like he's not blonde or he's not British. He doesn't have the brown coat, but it still works, and he still kind of he sort of. I think he does a great job with it. Like he maybe not wasn't like like maybe the issue wasn't necessarily with the cast was more with the casting but if you kind of forget that and you kind of brush over that i think that keanu reeves does a great job like i can't fault him at all really on this um he embodies it well uh the cgi considering it's 2005 is actually pretty good it holds up well the demon designs are pretty good uh they're probably the standout kind of CGI thing. They are kind of a bit Del Toro-esque, like sort of Pan's Labyrinth Hellboy, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Rachel Weisz is in this, and she's good in that. You don't really see her in these sort of films, though, that often. Like, she's normally in kind of, like, more drama films. She's not in kind of block, action blockbusters. There's this in the kind of The Mummy, which uh, she was very good in. Um, but she's good in this. She kind of provides the in for the audience for this kind of weird world, which I think is always kind of useful and good. Um, there is a no- there's just a fun cast of characters in this film as well. Tilda Swinton plays Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. Jimon Honsu's in this. He's a witch doctor that owns a bar that half angels and half demons go to. You can't be a full angel, full demon, because you can't be on Earth. Uh, Peter Stormare plays Lucifer. He's fun in this. Uh... There's a man that kits out John Constantine with his weapons. There's a holy water. There's a cross shotgun. There's dragon's breath flamethrower. There's lots of cool things like that. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is in this. It's like an apprentice taxi driver. Uh, he basically does the same role that he did in iRobot. And kind of a bit of Indiana Jones 4. The one that nobody talks about. That I seem to mention more than the other ones. Uh, I mean there's nothing spectacular in this film in terms of like plot or visuals it's nothing like amazing but it's very competent it's very worth a watch um i mean i wouldn't mind it if they'd have done more films like it made some money but i mean it obviously not enough and like the critics ratings were kind of like meh it's fine uh so like they're not gonna really push ahead with that um there's some nice kind of slow motion shots in this uh, kind of when people pass between hell and earth, time stops. So there's some interesting sort of like looking shots in terms of that. Uh, like the cinematography is kind of quite interesting at times. Um, there is some it, and and the flat like kind of time stopping and kind of the passing between hell and earth. It works well as an effect, like visually, but it also works well kind of plot wise. I feel like because uh, it kind of comes into play later on, kind of the time stops. Um, hell uh, itself you do see hell itself it's not particularly impressive design wise it's kind of just brownie dystopian world that's very windy uh, I mean I probably would have liked it to be a bit more imaginative but it's kind of that's just kind of what it was like at those sort of times like at most films or games or TV shows or whatever there was lots of greys and browns and involved and kind of boring and bland so it, it's just what it is. Uh, I like the fact that they had no forced love stuff between the main characters because that's what happens a lot in these sort of films. Uh, I mean, they do tease it, but I like that they didn't put it in because it doesn't need it and they shouldn't force it in. Uh, it would have been unnatural. It would have been super, no, it wouldn't be supernatural. 
Uh, this was actually directed by Francis Lawrence. Uh, if you recognise the name, it's because he went on to do the most notably the Hunger Games films. But he also did Iron Legend, which again, very brown film. Um, this was actually his directorial debut. Uh, he'd done a load of music videos before this, but this was actually kind of his first film. Um, so, and as a film, it's not bad going. I think it's pretty good as a feature film uh, debut. Uh, but some fun facts about this. Um, so the film was actually going to be called Hellblazer uh, because the comic itself is actually called Hellblazer. But this came out in 2005. And in 2004, Hellboy came out. Um, so they had to change the name. Uh, to distinguish it from Hellboy, because Hellboy, Hellblazer, too, too close together. Um, but they did use something else from Hellboy, because uh, they the Spear of Destiny is a MacGuffin in this film, and the prop that they use for the Spear of Destiny is actually the same prop that they used in Hellboy, apparently, which is an interesting interesting thing. Keanu Reeves uh, is known to be one of the nicest guys in Hollywood, and. Even back in 2005, he was proving this because he bought the cross shotgun prop uh, from, I don't know who was selling it, the props department, I guess. And then he gave it to the director. So, like, that was quite a nice thing for him to do. Um, Alan Moore, who is the creator of John Constantine, he's a famous comic book writer, um, he notoriously hates all adaptations of his work. Uh, there was From Hell, which I think is a Johnny Depp film. It's like a Jack the Ripper film. Uh, he did, like, a comic... Uh, that's based on a comic the league of extraordinary gentlemen which is sean connery's last film because it's bad um uh alan moore hates them uh and and like he just hates anything that's based on his work i think he just hates the idea that people are taking his work and making something out of it and almost butchering it and so he didn't take any money from this um he actually didn't want anything from it he didn't even get a created by credit uh which was I mean, it's a bit weird. It's a bit of a grumpy cut, anyway, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I'd say that this film is definitely worth a watch. If you're in, I mean, if you're into this sort of thing, if you're into kind of action stuff, it's very watchable. It's not the best film ever, but it's it's very enjoyable and it's very easy to watch. So just stick it on if you if you're struggling for something to watch. I'd definitely recommend it. Now it's time for a film that wasn't. So if you aren't aware of this thing that's happening it's basically where i talk about a film that uh was going to happen but for some reason or other it it wasn't it, it didn't come out um yep that's that that's it that's that's the thing um i want you to cast your mind back to january 2002 uh steven spielberg he was finishing up on a, a little film called minority report with tom cruise uh tom cruise as you will no, is a big actor, but he's also a producer, and he has a production company called CW Productions with Paul Paula Wagner, who at one point apparently was uh, said to be the most powerful woman in Hollywood. Which uh, that's that's a thing. That's a thing to claim. Uh, CW stands for Cruise Wagner. It's very imaginative. Um, CW Productions has made. Uh, Mission Impossible films, uh, like the first three, The Others, which I think is a film with Nicole Kidman, it's a horror, I think. Vanilla Sky, where it's that something to do with a car crash with Tom Cruise, I don't know. And obviously, Minority Report. Now, all people involved in Minority Report were obviously quite happy 
with it. Uh, and so they decided, you know what, let's do another one. Let's do another film together. So um, CWU Productions had optioned a book released in 2001 called Ghost Soldiers. And that is the title of the film that we are talking about that didn't get made. So it's just history. Um, speaking of history, this is a uh, a book. It's not a fictional book. It's a non-fiction book. That's the one. Uh, by a guy called Hampton Sides, uh, which is about a raid of a World War II prison camp in the Philippines. So let's go through a history lesson. Um, it's not the nicest subject, but we will. But bear with me. Uh, so in January 1942, uh, during the Second World War, Japan invaded the Philippines. Uh, Filipino and American troops fought them for three months with limited precision provisions, precisions. Well, limited precision as well, I guess. Uh, that is known as the Battle of Bataan. Uh, they slowed down their invasion uh, of the Philippines, and it's been speculated that if they hadn't have done that, then Japan could have just powered through the Philippines and maybe gone on to invade Australia, which obviously, if you know anything about history in World War II, they did not do that. So uh, good on these people. Um, after three months, uh, approximately... Well, between 60,000 and 80,000 US and Filipino troops surrendered. Uh, and they were then marched 60 to 70 miles. And there was thousands of deaths uh, coming on. Uh, it's been retroactively seen as a Japanese war crime. Um, because so many people died. There was a, it, And it's been known as the Bataan Death March. Um, when they re that when they uh, finished this march, they got to Cabantuan prison camp and they were all put in there. Many of the people were moved on, but there was about 500-ish survivors that were kept at the camp. And the book tells of the rescue... Well, I think it tells of like maybe a bit before, but it tells of the rescue raid. Uh, so in January 1945, so we're talking three years... Well, nearly three years later, um, 121 army rangers went in uh, to the rescue camp, went into the rescue, went into the prison camp uh, with help from some Filipino guerrilla soldiers uh, to free the prisoners of war. Um, so this was, like I say, this was all parties from the Minority Report film were involved. Spielberg was back to direct. Tom Cruise is going to play an army ranger. Um, Spielberg had already done some World War Two stuff, so he's Obviously got pedigree with that stuff. He's got done Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. Uh, around that time, he'd been producing the TV show Brand of Brothers as well. Um, they hired a guy called Josh Friedman to write it, who I looked him up. Hadn't done a lot at this point uh, of note and not done like an awful lot of note since. Uh, he'd done War of the Worlds, which uh, was the film with Tom Cruise directed by Spielberg, which is kind of meh. And then he did Terminate uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. He was involved in writing and creating that, which I've heard good things about. I haven't watched it, but I've heard good things. Um, yeah, there's not really anything else of note that he's done. Um, but yeah, it was kind of all ready to go. Universal and DreamWorks were both on board to produce and distribute. So, I mean, everything looked good, but they kind of got a case of cold feet in the end because... Their production studio had optioned the book, but I mean, you can't option history. And another film about that raid was already in development. Uh, so that film is called The Great Raid. 
Um, I mean, they knew, like, everyone involved knew that this film apparently was in development anyway. So they knew about it from the off. But, I mean, I don't know, maybe they got into gear quicker, maybe they got moving quicker. Um, There were a few questions about Spielberg's schedule, because he was scheduled to shoot uh, Catch Me If You Can in February 2002 to release it in December. So he wouldn't have been able to shoot it until, like, later that year or even the year after. (coughs) But, The Great Raid, don't know if you have heard of it, but I had never heard of it. Um, It took three years to come out um, after being shot in 2002, um, which is a long time. Uh, You could have made another film or two in between those. Um... It was directed by John Dahl, a guy who I do not recognise. The only film that, other film that I recognise that he's done is a film called Rounders, which is a poker film with Matt Damon and John Markovich from the late 90s, I want to say. Um, it was, and it hadn't really got any big names in it. Uh, it starred Benjamin Bratt, who I looked him up. I didn't recognise the name, but he's just one of those that guys. Like you see his face and you're like, oh, it's, th- it's that guy from that thing like he's just you don't know who he is but you see him and stuff and it got james franco in it as well who i don't know haven't been doing much at the time i don't think spider-man was probably his biggest thing um the film that the film the great raid it made 11 million pounds 11 million pounds made 11 million dollars off an 80 million dollar budget and so it bombed massively because it needed to have made like 160. So I mean, it, it was it bombed hugely, and then it wasn't received greatly either. It got a 6.7 on IMDb, but it was only 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but so I mean, there's lots of films that kind of come out at the same time, like Olympus Has Fall and White House Down that came out at the same time, Armageddon, Deep Impact, things like that. So I feel like they should have gone ahead with it because I feel personally it's out from everything that's all the information that we've got, it sounds like Ghost Soldiers would have blown the Great Raider out of the water. It got Spielberg directing, it got Tom Cruise in it. They've got pedigree with big films, and they wouldn't have taken three years to get it out. It would have been out first. They had no distribution issues. I think that's partly the reason why the Great Raid took so long to come out because they couldn't get anyone to distribute it. So there was no problems there. I mean, like I say, Spielberg, Cruise, and Friedman did work together on War of the Worlds, but it's just fine. Maybe Gold Soldiers would have been better, but it's the same people involved, so maybe it wouldn't have been. I don't know. Uh, but I would, I think I would rather have had Gold Soldiers, Ghost Soldiers, I can't even say it, Ghost Soldiers, uh, than The Great Raid. I, I feel like I would have at least heard of it and probably have seen it, and I think it would have made money, so... Hollywood, you you screwed the pooch. You you should have you went with the wrong one. You backed the wrong horse. Should have gone with the big names. Um, it probably would have worked. So ghost, so ghost, ghost soldiers did not get made, and it's uh, unlike a lot of the other ones. I don't think it ever will be. There's not many mention of anything about it being made. But I mean, you could do. Why not? Nobody knows the Great Raid. It's a story that is. Like, I was going to say it's as relevant now as it was in, like, 2002. So just, I I would be all up for it. Maybe 
Tom Cruise is a bit old for it now, but maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. Just go for it. So now we're moving on to the final part of the show, which is time for a bit of quick fig. This is where I take uh, one of 20 franchises, one of 20 characters, and I either make a prequel, sequel, spin-off, or a reboot of one of those franchises with that character in it. Uh, for example, we've had the Fast and Furious fra- a spin-off of the Fast and Furious franchise with the Minions. We've had John Wick and the Matrix. We've had something else that I can't remember. So let's see what we get this time. So let's first off see what kind of film we're going to be making. We're going to be making a reboot. Which character are we putting in this reboot? It's the Predator. What are we putting the Predator in? We're putting the Predator in Star Trek. That's quite a good one. I We're rebooting it with the Predator. I guess the Predator's the villain. Jobs are good. There's not really much else to do. Uh, you, I mean, you can't put the Predator in... Like, you could reboot Star Trek and have Captain Kirk and everything, again. But, you can't put the Predator on the Enterprise. You can't put the Predator on any ship, really. There's only, there is, like, the other version, the other combinations we've had, I've managed to think of a couple of things. This one, no, there's literally one option. There is literally, the Predator is the villain on a bad planet and that's it maybe it's a lesser villain maybe there's uh well so let's let's think about maybe plot wise where it could go because the predator is uh looking to the, the predator is a hunter and looks to kind of get trophies and stuff so maybe it's a sort of detective that i mean it's it'd be way too obvious but maybe it's like a detective thing and like almost and like the star trek people because they're going around exploring stuff and then they're like oh well, we found like signs of like on all these different planets where just one there's been a bit of havoc and then like one of these uh creatures has had their sp- skull and spine taken out that's a bit weird we've, we've seen this on different planets what there must be something happening here and then they like track it down and then they go, oh my God, it's the Predator. The Predator has been doing it. And then maybe the Predator's like, oh, I want to take, I want Captain Kirk. His double punch is amazing. He's the best creature ever. He's the best captain. Maybe, I don't know. You, well, you can't do Picard. He's the best Captain Kirk. He's the only one that we're allowed to reboot. So uh, I feel like that would be a cool way of doing it. Uh, that's almost like Predator 2, which is arguably the worst one, or is it the Predator? I don't know. Um, or or maybe, uh, I mean, there's only a few ways of doing it. You either do it like that, or you get them Star Trek people stranded on a planet, and it turns out that there's Predators hunting them, or you get uh Star Trek people on a planet where predators are hunting something else. Maybe you get I don't know. There's only a 
so many ways you can go about this, isn't there? Maybe you can go... Uh, maybe there's someone not bumping off captains of different Starfleets, but or Starfleet ships, but it turns out that they're all different species, but then they haven't put that together and they're like thinking it's some like someone inside it and then they're like actually it's just the predator and they're just trying to get the best of each species and starfleet are like the best of the best and the captains are the best of starfleet so we're getting all of those so maybe that's a thing uh but i feel like it's definitely detective-y uh because otherwise it's not that because otherwise it's just there's two ways of going it it's horror a la predators and predator one and you just stick them on a planet and the predator's there or it's a detective thing so i don't know maybe it's some rogue thing of starfleet maybe there's a rogue thing of starfleet where they somehow genetically create predators or maybe it's like a in like star trek beyond it wasn't like a weird thing that human like idris elba became some weird monster thing so one how like maybe there's a bit of starfleet like something goes wrong and then they become predators i don't know uh something like that or maybe it's the other way around maybe starfleet is from built up from predators and then more civilized predators and then the predators the the original predators that are like the feral ones and then they have to hunt them down. I don't know, something like that. I'm trying to think how it's a reboot of Star Trek. Um, so rather than just a, I mean, you can't really like. It's hard to do a reboot of Star Trek that's kind of. If it was with a different character that you could put into the Enterprise and be like, oh yeah, they're the captain, then that would work. Like I think last week we had Buzz Lightyear. Like that would work more than. The Predator, but you can't have the Predator in the Enterprise as someone on it. Unless they're like a caged animal that they have on a leash. And they're like, we need you to do some killing or something. I don't know. So, we need you to hunt. Maybe that's a thing. Uh, but, I don't know. That's another way of doing it. But, uh, if you can think of anything else that might be better. Um, or, if you have any opinions on any of the films that i've seen this week if you've seen them as well if you've not seen them but you'd like to see them um then please get in touch uh on twitter at all out walker or you can email at filmmeuppod at outlook.com um i will be tweeting out again on monday the films for next week so set d i will be filming uh i will be tweeting that out on monday when I choose those films. Uh, but uh, apart from that. I will see you again next week. With some. With Set D. And another film that wasn't made. And we'll uh, come up with another bit of quick. Fic. Um, that's about it I think. Smashing. Uh, I'll see you next week guys. Bye.